0: This morning, we will continue to look at Jesus Christ. Um, We'll give reasons. uh, The author of Hebrews will give reasons why it is that we are to give all our attention to Jesus Christ, all of our attention. And uh, even if there are those who benefit us spiritually, we have to see them pointing us to Jesus Christ. So let's look together at Hebrews, Hebrews chapter three, starting a new chapter this morning Hebrews chapter 3 verses 1 through 6 Hebrews chapter 3 verses 1 through 6 speaking on the topic consider Jesus Therefore holy brothers you who share in a calling a heavenly calling consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things, is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken of later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confession and our boasting and our hope. This is God's word. May God's word bless us here this morning. The message of Hebrews can be boiled down to two main ideas. Christ, the person and work of Christ. And that the fact that believers are to stay faithful to him. Those are the two things you to to sum up what Hebrews is all about. It is about the person and work of Jesus Christ. And that we are to stay faithful in obedience to him in all things. We've seen this as the writer of Hebrews has shown us the superiority of Jesus to all that came before him. the prophets Uh, in chapter one and in in chapter two, he established Jesus' superiority over the prophets and angels. And now in chapter three, he will establish Jesus' superiority over Moses. This is not to belittle Moses. Moses was faithful, but Jesus is greater than Moses because of who he is and what he has done. And so with all this in mind, we're to pay attention. This is what the author is saying. Pay attention to the surpassing greatness of Jesus Christ. And this is not just a a, a mental assent to the fact that Jesus exists. It's not just a, a mental uh, ascent to, to Jesus and, and the fact that he died upon the cross. No, this is uh, this is an embracing of Jesus Christ that that saturates our soul and motivates us and transforms us into the likeness of Jesus Christ. It's not enough to know about Jesus Christ. It's not enough to know that he died upon the cross. That truth must do something with your life. It must transform you. This is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. He says, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord. What, and what is happening? He says, are being transformed. That that was Paul's life. Paul said, for him to live is Christ and to die is God. His life was all about Christ and he lived a life and all that he did, he went here, he went there. And he was he was beaten here. He was shipwrecked here. And in all of those things, he was beholding Christ in the midst of it. And what he beheld about Christ transformed his life so that he could live uh, such a life that he can say, imitate me as I follow Christ. It did something. He says, we are with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord. Or be, is that true of you? Do you just read your Bible and put it down and you forget about what you read in it about Jesus Christ. Paul said, we, he said, we are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. And for this comes from the Lord who is spirit. The, what we know about Christ should impact the way we live our lives. Uh, the, the author of Hebrews will get to the next next week, Lord willing. We will we will get to the warnings that there are warnings. If you don't do anything with what you know about Jesus, if you just come and say, "Man, that sounds good. Those songs sound good about Jesus," and you go and live your life, born of Jesus Christ, there are warnings for you in this letter. There are warnings for you, but for those of us who know Christ who cherish Christ, who, as we were singing the songs and thinking about Christ and all that he is, that should impact our lives. Let's let's look at the text. We see that verse number one starts with therefore. And what therefore does, it it helps us to see that there is a connection, that there is a connection between what uh, the author has said before and with the information and the material that he's going to give us now, there is a connection with 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 uh, with with the, the previous section. And I, and I like what Chuck Swindoll said. He said that what he said. Well, Paul, uh, no, Paul, but what the author is saying when it, when there's a therefore, the author is saying is that you need to take everything that you heard with you into the text that you're going into. That's what that's what we're to do. We, we don't just come and face this, uh, look at this text apart from what he has, what the author has already said. And, and what have we seen? Uh, as a matter of fact, before we even get to that, that's important because what we will see in our text are, to start with, are descriptions of us as believers, as, of the people that the, the the writer is writing to. the the uh, it, it connects them, it describes who they are because of what the author has just said in chapter, particularly in chapter two, who, about who Jesus is and what he has done. Notice that the author in, in, in this text, he, he says he calls them holy. I mean, that should be mind blowing enough for us that that we as God's children are considered holy. These believers are considered to be to be holy. Holy means to be set apart for God by God. And how are they whole? How do one become holy? Is this something that we do on our own? Is it works that we do? Is it, is it, is it, is it what uh, in the week we're serving the Lord? Does that make us holy? Negative. No, it doesn't. Verse, we, we read in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11. Look over there, what it says. This, this, is, a, this, this is a description about the work of Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 11 for he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source that is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers who is the one who sanctifies those who are the children of God Jesus Christ Jesus the work the person and the work of jesus christ is, and, and and what he has done is as far as giving his life for us jesus is the sanctifier he is a a merciful and faithful high priest who himself has cleansed us he has cleansed us through uh, of our sins through his appropriation uh for our sins he gave himself as as one who stood between the 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 wrath of God that that which we deserve we were sinners and and He took upon Himself the wrath of God the curse of God He took upon upon Himself all that a sinful uh, individual deserves before a holy God He took it upon Himself He makes us holy it, it is the person of Jesus Christ and the work of Jesus Christ that makes us holy so so the the author the, he, he's been discussing this in, in chapter two. he says, "You're holy and not not only does he say holy, but he says he adds that they're holy brothers that they're in the same family of God the Father and Jesus Christ We're brought into God's family by Jesus Christ. Look at verse ten of chapter two. it says, "For it was fitting that he talking about Jesus for whom and by whom all things exist and bringing many sons to glory. <laughs> many sons, many daughters, Christ has brought to glory because of who he is and what he has done. He calls us brothers. Remember we read that he, he's not ashamed to call us brothers. Jesus Christ, the, 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 the holy one, It's not a shame to call us brothers because he has sanctified us by his own life. We're not in the family of God. We can call God our father. Jesus prayed to God and said, Father, called him Father. We can do the same. We can call God our father. We're God's children. And not only that, we're brothers and sisters of one another in Christ. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We, we have a common bond in Christ because of Christ. So he says, Therefore, holy brothers, says, You we continue to describe these believers, you who share in a heavenly calling. Remember, we read that Jesus came and he partook of flesh and blood. Why did he? Come and 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 share in in flesh and blood. Why did he come in and, and take on flesh and blood to himself, so that we can we can we can have a heavenly calling that 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 we can we can share all of us as as holy brethren in Christ that we 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 can we share in in and partake in, in a heavenly calling. We're, we're we're called to heaven. We're called by heaven. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, it says this, Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 3, says, listen to this description by the Apostle Paul of the Ephesian believers, and this is the, the description of you who has placed faith in Jesus Christ as well. He says in verse 3, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who not going to, who has blessed us in Christ. He, what kind of blessings? With every spiritual blessing. In the heavenly places. God in Christ blessed us with with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places because we have a heavenly calling. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 6. Because we have a heavenly calling, we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Chapter 2, verse 6 says, that we've been raised up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. To the point that Paul says in Colossians chapter three, that we're to set our mind. He says, if you have been raised up with Christ, we have been raised up and seated with Christ in a spiritual sense, positionally in heavenly places. Paul says, since this is true, he says in, in uh, Colossians chapter three, verse one, if you then been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above your life. You have a heavenly calling. You're therefore you are to seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Earth should not have an appeal to us anymore because of who we are in Christ. That, that, that is that is what that's what you feel as as. As, as we grow older and we start feeling the, the hurt and the, the, the pains of the body, we start sensing that this earth is not our home. We begin to, 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 as we, we, we combat sin in our lives and we get frustrated with as we fight sin, we begin to realize something about our calling that this earth, that the, the, this world is not our home. Heaven is our home. And, and, you know, just by these realities, these believers are struggling. They're struggling because they're being persecuted. They're tempted to turn away from Christ to go and, and to uh, give significance to angels. To turn back to Moses. The author is saying, look, look at who you are. Look at who you are in Christ. You're holy. You're holy brothers. You share in a heavenly calling. God's grace to you is not in vain, beloved. His purpose for, for you and, and for these believers who are struggling, what they're going through does not hinder what God has done. It's a fact that these and you and I, these believers, you and I are holy brother, and we share in a heavenly call do, do you, beloved, I want to stop here and ask you, do you understand the significance of belonging to God? Do you understand the significance of being identified with Jesus Christ? Does that have any kind of impact upon you through the week? I, I was watching bowling last night. And uh these these professional bowlers, you you, you understand what bowling all is about. You take the ball, there's a lane that has a boundary on the side, and you, you take the ball and and you roll it down this lane to knock down the pins. As I was looking at that and and seeing the, the bowler go, and he was, you know, with, with precision knocking down the pins, it made me think about the Christian life. The Christian life is 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 a it's a race it's a race that we're running hebrews 12 it's the it's the agon we're running uh the race that 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 the, really it's a race paul says i press on toward the high calling in christ jesus it's a race toward heaven we're, we're, we're not racing to get to heaven we're racing because we're going to heaven we're racing and as i was thinking about that that bowler taking the ball and and, and throwing it down the line and those the 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 side of the lane was keeping the ball within the lane Christ is who christ is and what he has done is is something is is similar the knowledge about who christ is and what he has done keeps us in the path of 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 walking in a way that is worthy of the calling that we have in christ jesus who christ is keep us in the lane it keeps as we focus upon christ in all things in everything, it, it, it keeps us on the path that pleases God. That's that's the significance of who Christ is. We, Jesus said, "Apart from me, you can do nothing." We can't please God in and of, with with our own knowledge of our own ability and our own what we do. We it's only when we take who God is, who Christ is and what Christ has done. When we take that, when we allow that knowledge to come in and allow that knowledge to to dictate everything that we do in life. Then we're pleasing to God. This, this is the significance of who Christ is. You, you just can't drift in life. You can't drift, go out of the lane. You know, some people bowl like that. They bowl. And the ball just go out of the lane. Can't, you can't live life like that. There has to be a, 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 a direction, and that direction and intent should be Jesus Christ. Don't, don't, and the saying, don't neglect this great salvation that has brought about these, these changes in your life. He says, therefore, holy brother, you who share in the heavenly calling, <laughs> consider Jesus. This is a command. And you know what a commands mean? Do this now. (laughs) It's it's not an option. The uh, the writer is writing with a sense of urgency because there are some who are in danger of drifting away from Jesus Christ. They're, They're in danger of drifting away and being distracted from from Christ. And so he says, consider, consider Jesus. Consider him means to to give careful attention to, to to give careful thought, to 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 consider him, to to fix your whole mind on him, to to concentrate. As you fix your mind on him, you concentrate uh, on on who he is, as he has revealed, as he is revealed in the word. And, and you concentrate on him. You're concentrating because you want to grasp all that he is, to 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 examine and weigh carefully what it is that you that you that the scripture says about Jesus Christ. That's what it means to to consider to consider Christ and his person and his work. John Calvin said in regards to this, he he was speaking in regards to Hebrews chapter twelve, where it says, "Consider Jesus," but it applies here as well. He he says in his commentary, he says, for this one thought, this one thought alone, what thought? The the thought of who Christ is and what he has done. He says, for this one thought alone ought to be sufficient to conquer all temptations, that is, when we know that we're companions and, and associates of the Son of God, and that he who was so far above us willingly came down to our condition in order that he might animate us by his own example yea it is thus that we gather courage which we would otherwise melt away and turn as it was into despair end quote what Jesus Christ does the knowledge of Christ? What it does is that it gives us gives us courage to so think about the fact that we live in this sinful world. To think about the fact that the Son of God came into this sinful, stinking, wretched world to save sinners. That should do something to your heart. It's the, he, he says that Jesus came that he might animate us by his own example. Animate us in, in what ways? In worship, in praise, in obedience to all that Jesus Christ is. And the author says, consider. Consider Jesus, the apostle. You, you notice that he says, "Consider." go back, consider Jesus. Jesus is the earthly name of the son of God. And when he came in the incarnation, consider that Jesus, the Jesus who came in the incarnation and die for you. He is the apostle. Consider the apostle. This is, the, this is the, the only place in the New Testament where the term apostle refers to Christ. Christ did acknowledge that he was sent, but this is the only place that, the, that apostle refers to him. Apostle conveys the idea of a, of a mission. It conveys the idea of one who is sent, a messenger. John MacArthur said this. He says an apostle is a sent one who has the rights and power and authority of the one who sends him. End quote. Jesus is God's apostle. Jesus is God's apostle. God sent Jesus, his son, into the world as His final, full, and supreme revelation. We read that in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Jesus is is God's final revelation to man. And and because of this, in Matthew 17 and 5, God told the disciples to listen to him. Because Jesus is the uh, apostle, He he is the apostle prophet. We're to listen to him. He, He is the one who has God's message for us. He is God's message for us. And so the author says, consider Jesus, the apostle, and he adds and high priest of our confession. When you came to Jesus Christ, Romans 10 verses 9 and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Is that your confession? The the author is saying is is the the fact that Jesus is the is 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 your high priest that he came into the world that that he represented you before god and and he represents god to you he came into the world he came into the world as a sacrifice he gave himself as a sacrifice for your sins he presented himself as a sacrifice for your sins is that your confession did, did, did you confess that did you believe that Beloved, did you believe that Jesus is Lord, that God raised him from the dead? If you believe that, are you turning away from him to something else? Did the doctor said, he's the high priest of our confession. He, he is the one who made atonement for our sins once a, and for all. He made us pleasing to God. And to turn, he says, "Are you so now have you turned away from him? This is, this is, this is what you said. You confess Jesus as the Christ. Verse two, he said, who appointed him? Who was, who was, as you were, who was faithful to him who appointed him? Jesus Christ is the, is, is the apostle. He's the high priest of our confession. And he, he was faithful to, to him who appointed him. Who who appointed him? It was God. God assigned Jesus Christ a mission. And Jesus accomplished it. Jesus said in John 17 and 4 in his uh, high priestly prayer, he said, I glorify you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Jesus accomplished the work of the of the one who who appointed him. Jesus had a divine appointment and he accomplished the work of that appointment. Jesus and and, and the author because he understood that these believers, these, these Hebrew believers were tempted to turn back to Moses. He says, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. Jesus the author's acknowledging that Jesus was faithful in a similar way that Moses was faithful. He's getting ready to to make an argument that that Jesus is greater than Moses. But he starts in a in a tender way. Because he understood that the Jews, the Jews, they thought that no one was greater than Moses. They they thought they they thought Moses was the prophet, that he was 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 the deliverer In in a sense, and and there was no one greater than him. Why Moses? I mean, I mean, (laughs) why why would they, you know, begin to why would they want to turn back to Moses? Well, this text says that Moses was faithful in the house of God. These these Hebrew believers. They understood that Moses was a faithful servant, that he carried out all his duties, his assignment. He carried it out. And a matter of fact, uh, Moses is so significant that his name, he is named in the Bible seven hundred and sixty six times. Moses name is in the Bible seven hundred and sixty six times. Moses wrote the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. Moses, God spoke to Moses uh, uh, on, on as a matter of fact, God spoke to Moses face to face. Moses had an intimate relationship with God. Moses led God's people out of Egypt, out of slavery toward the promised land. And, 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 and so some of these Hebrews are being tempted to go back to Moses. But Moses pointed to Christ. They're trying to turn it back to, to, to Moses and the law, but Moses pointed to Christ. In, in Deuteronomy chapter 34, Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 10, Moses says, And there has not risen. Uh, As you were, it it says, and there has not risen a prophet since like uh, since in Israel, like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Uh, Again, this points to the significance of who Moses is in the minds of, of the people of Israel. It says that in verse 11, none like him for all the signs and the wonders that the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all. His land. We turn to Numbers, Numbers, chapter twelve, verse, verses one through eight, and this is the story of of Moses. He had married a, a Cushite woman, and Miriam and and uh, Aaron is turning against Moses, and, and look at we'll see here how significant Moses was in the eyes of God. Numbers chapter 12, verse one, it says, Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he had married for he had married a Cushite woman. And they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? They were also uh, prophets. And the Lord heard, the Lord heard what they said. It says, and the Lord heard. it." Now the man Moses was very meek, more than all the people who were on the face of the earth. And suddenly the Lord said to Moses and to Aaron and to Miriam, come out you three to the tent of meeting. And the three came out. It's almost like God says, "I heard what Miriam and, and Aaron said and said, come here. I am here, I heard you said about Moses. Come come here. And said, and three came out. Verse 5. And the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tent and called. Now he called he called Moses, Aaron, and Miriam out, but now he individually calls Aaron and Miriam to him. And they came forward. I mean, this could have this this no doubt a scary time for them. God, come here. You two, come here. Verse number six. And he said, hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With whom I speak mouth to mouth, Clearly, and not in riddles, and he beholds the form of the Lord. When uh, why did were you not afraid to speak against my servant, my my servant Moses? And it says, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. They they, they spoke against Moses, and Moses. I mean, and, and God intervened and said. Look, this is who he is. This is the relationship that I have with him. I speak to him, in a sense, face to face. And 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 you're speaking against him. The, the The people of Israel they had this this story. Uh, they were th- this is part of the the Pentateuch. This is this is a part of 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 the. The the first five books of the Bible that that they memorized, they knew it. And so they know they knew that Moses had a a, had a a significant relationship with God that no one else. But but look at what the writer of Hebrews says. Moses, he said, Moses was faithful. Jesus was faithful. And now he makes a contrast. This is the first contrast. He says, for, in verse 3, for Jesus has been counted worthy, counted worthy by who? By God, of more glory than Moses. Jesus was crowned with, with glory and honor because of, the, for one, in verse 9 of Hebrews chapter 2, he says, but we see him for a little while was made Lord than the angels, namely Jesus crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death so that by the grace of god he might taste death for everyone jesus was crowned with glory and honor because he willingly suffered and died for us and and the author goes on he says for jesus kind of worthy of more glory than moses as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. Christ is greater than Moses. Uh, than Moses, just as a, a builder is, is greater than the house he builds. You say, well, how did Jesus build God's house? God's God's house here refers to the people, the people of God. How is it that Jesus built God's house? We saw in chapter two that. God put everything in subjection to Jesus Christ. Chapter 2, verse 8. By the grace of God, Jesus Christ tasted death for everyone. Chapter 2, verse 9. He brought many sons to glory. He's the pioneer of our faith. Verse 10. He became like us to sanctify us. Verse 11 of chapter 2. He calls us brothers and we're his children. Chapter 12. Uh, Verse verse 12 of chapter 2, he shared in flesh and blood in order to destroy our adversary, the devil. Verse 14, he delivered us from the fear of death. Verse 15 of chapter 2, he became a merciful and high priest to make uh, appropriation for, for our sins. He helps us when we're tempted. Verses 17 and 18, Jesus built the house. Jesus made us who we are in Christ. Moses he was only temporary and the benefits that Moses gave was earthly benefits. Jesus gives us heavenly benefits. So Jesus he he builds, he builds the house. He he built the house. Verse 4 says for everyone for every house is built by someone but the builder of all things is God. Every building that uh, everything in regards to the to the people of God is built by God. The psalmist said, you, you, "For those who, if you try to build your life uh, apart from from Christ, the psalmist will tell you in Psalm one twenty seven verse one, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays in." awake in vain unless the lord is building the house if, unless the lord builds the house it doesn't matter you can't work your way to heaven you 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 can't earn your way to heaven you must be in god's house and god's house is his people And god's house uh is is, is made what it is because of jesus christ moses was faithful in god's house jesus built god's house (laughs) he created the family of god We're, we're brothers and sisters because of of christ christ built the house and so this is the the first contrast jesus is great because he's god and he builds he built the house of god the second contrast with moses is that Not only was Moses, uh, he was uh, uh, he was in the house. But here it says now Moses was faithful in in God's house as a servant. Moses is a servant. And he says to testify the things that were to be spoken of later. Moses was a servant. Jesus is God's son. And And that's what we're getting ready to see. Jesus is God's son. Moses is just a servant. And 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 Moses, even his life, his life as a deliverer from Egypt, pointed to Jesus Christ, who is the great deliverer, the ultimate deliverer. And, and Moses himself pointed people to Christ. Uh, in, in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15, it says, the Lord, your God will raise up for you a prophet, Moses says, like me, from among you. Moses is prophesying about Jesus that he would be like Moses, a man like Moses, who was a deliverer. He said that he raised up a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It It is to him you shall listen. Moses pointed to Jesus Christ said listen to him there will be one who will be raised up like me like a man a prophet like me from among you listen to him and we know this is a reference to jesus christ because uh peter you he he quoted this passage in his sermon in acts chapter 3 verse 25 And so this this Moses pointed to Christ. Peter acknowledged that Moses pointed to Christ. Why would these believers forsake Christ and turn back to Moses? Even Moses himself would be frustrated with that. And the passage that was read in John, John chapter five, John chapter five, look down at verse 45. It's Jesus says, do, uh, said, do not think that I will accuse you to the father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if, for if you believe Moses, you would believe me. For he, notice he says, for he wrote of me. But if you do not, uh, if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? So, So to turn away from Christ, that would even frustrate Moses if he was here. And it was Moses who testified about Jesus Christ. Is what the author is saying, and look at verse six. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. Moses was a faithful servant in God's house. Jesus was the son over God's house. And, and to to help to think about this in a in a simple way, Scott Lindsay said this quote: Moses' role within the house of God was important, but as compared to the entirety of what god has been doing it was only a small part he said like a doorknob on a cabinet a doorknob on a cabinet is only a small part of the cabinet he said so moses was a doorknob and he was and and he was jesus a great doorknob a doorknob for which we are all thankful he says he was a part he was a great part of God's house. However, at the uh at the end of the day, he's talking about Moses. Now, Moses was only a part. Jesus was responsible was responsible for uh there being a house in the first place. And he says, so Jesus worthy of great honor. End quote. G Je- Moses was just only a small part of what God was doing. Jesus himself was. The in a sense, compared to a a building, Jesus is the one who's building the house. And the author goes on, he says, and we are his house. These are all of us who are God's children are the house of God. But it comes with a qualification. If indeed we hold fast our confession and our boasting, in our hope. And what the author of Hebrews is saying is that true believers in, in Jesus Christ must hold on to their faith. They must hold on to their faith until the end. He's saying to you and I, to these believers, don't give up, don't quit, don't stop, don't be tempted to, to turn away and, and think that going after the world looks easy. Hold fast your confidence in who Christ is. Boast in the hope that that Christ brings us. Keep on going in the Christian life. Don't stop. The writer understands that that it can be tough, but we're the the house that Christ has built. And and, and, and the the, the church, and and Jesus said the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Hold fast to your confidence of, of who, who Christ is. Don't, don't turn away. These believers, he said, don't turn away to Moses. He says to you, don't, don't turn away to, to, to they are great speakers in our day. But even they point to Jesus Christ. So don't turn away and give all your allegiance to them. Look to Christ. And so as I close, This is a reality. It's possible to see something and not understand the value of it, to to, to not grasp its worth. That that is possible. The the, the rich, uh, talking about Christ, the rich young ruler came to Jesus Christ. And he said, What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Go. You want to inherit." he's asking this question. Go and sell all that you have. Take up your cross and follow me. We know what the young the rich young ruler did. He turned away, he went away sad because he had great wealth. And, and so what is Jesus saying in that example? What do we what do we see in that example? The rich young ruler didn't understand the value of Jesus Christ, and he was not willing to give up all the things that he had. Is that true of you? You don't understand. You you you're holding to the things of this world, to your job, to your family, to 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 even. You're you're holding on to these things as if they are more valuable than Jesus Christ? The rich young ruler turned away and he says he went away sad because he had much things. He didn't see the value. There is Christ. Christ. He said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Follow me, Jesus Christ said. Embrace me, consider, consider me, and the rich and ruler turn away as if Jesus wasn't worth it. Maybe that's some of you who are here today. Jesus said in Matthew twenty-four, verse twelve and thirteen, He says, and this is characterizes our day, and because lawlessness will be increased. They're, they're, we're living in a terrible time. And then listen to what he says. He says, the love of many will grow cold. But he says in verse 13, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Have your love grown cold for Jesus Christ? Your, 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 the life that, that, that you live, that you say you live for Christ now, looks totally different from the life that you lived when you first came to Christ. You was in church all the time. You was praying all the time. You was reading the word all the time. You was talking about Christ all the time. But now have your love grown cold for Christ? when our love for Christ grows cold, we don't delight in him anymore. We're not awed by who he is. We're not awed by Christ anymore. Oh, I heard that before. Oh, that, I heard this before. We're, we're not awed by by the truth of Christ, no matter how many times we hear it. We're not all by who he is and what he's done. That's when when that takes place, your love has grown cold. And, and 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 when that happens, you set you set Jesus aside. Things in your life are more important. The the we're talking about in in in, in chapter two about drifting away in Christ. The, the things of the world, the cares of this world. Your job, all these things began to pull on your life. They pull on you and you give your allegiance to them. They pull you away. But if that is the characteristic of your life. Jesus says in Revelation chapter two, verse four. He said of the church, but I have this against you that you've abandoned the love you have for Christ? Have you abandoned your love for Christ? Have you give, do you give more emphasis to, to the things of your life rather than the things of Christ? Consider Jesus. Let him be the, the ruling passion of your life let christ let christ in all that he is be the ruling passion in your life just like the ball going down the lane let your one passion be jesus christ when you go to work when you raise your family when you relate as a husband and wife when you raise your children let Christ be your one passion the author of Psalms of psalm said this psalm 27 verse 4 this should be us I'm trying to inflame your passion for Christ that's all I want to do preach Christ and him Christ, that's all I want to do I want you to have this one passion in your life it's Christ the psalmist said and this, this, this should characterize us. One thing have I asked of the Lord, and that will I seek after. One thing, one thing, he says, I will ask of the Lord. There is one thing in my life that I seek after. He says, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon his beauty. I want you to be passionate about Christ, beloved. There are many things that pull it at our lives today. Let like the psalmist seek out the one thing: ask God for one God I want to grow in my knowledge of Jesus Christ. And I have to say there's only one thing I seek out. He said that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life he says to gaze, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire his temple. We, we, we should do the same. We should desire all the days that God gives us in this world that we, in our difficulties, in the successes that we have in life, and how we serve one another, how we, how we raise our, there should be one thing that we, in and, and those things, I want to behold the beauty of Jesus Christ in those days. Th- I want to see those things through the lens of Jesus Christ. I want to see my suffering through the lens of Jesus Christ. I want to see my life through the lens of Jesus Christ. And, and when that happens, He will dominate your life. You'll live for Christ. You'll pray for you'll pray for others for Christ. You'll use your gift. To serve others for Christ. You will spread the gospel for Christ. Look to Christ, beloved. Amen. Let us pray. That's that great hymn that Mark quoted earlier. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. We have to be intentional. We 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 cannot just drift along in the world and think that drifting along with the current of this world that we will be devoted to Jesus Christ. We we must turn our eyes upon Christ. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace father we want to dwell dwell upon your son we want our our attention to be fully upon the son so that the things in this world that pulls us all the things of this world that pulls against us as we we want to look at him and, and we want those things to grow dim. that that those things will have no pull upon our lives but only Christ, only Christ. That's why we're amazed at people like, like, like Moses, but uh, who served you in, in a great way. He did it because he knew something about Christ, knew something of, of, the, of one who would come. Paul in, in his great ministry and service as the apostle, the apostle, one of your apostles we 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 as we read about his life we read of one who who was who who was consumed with Christ and father he lived in a wicked day and 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 he was so consumed with Christ that he took the gospel i pray that we will be the same way that we will be so consumed with 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 who Christ is that we will love one another that we will build one another up that we will take your gospel take the gospel about him we will take that gospel and we will tell others about it that we will pray be, pray in a way that is fervent because of who Christ is that we will get into the word and we will read your word and 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 meditate upon it that we will take it in and, and as if it was food to eat to to nourish our lives because of who Jesus Christ is Father, set your people heart aflame. Set your people heart aflame who are here. Set your people heart aflame who are not here. Set their heart aflame so that they will live their life fully for Jesus Christ. That's that's all I desire, Father. That is my prayer. Christ, Amen.